Hello, and welcome to this episode of Our Guest Is, presented by My East Coast Experience Media in partnership with RBC. Our Guest Is introduces us to a resilient group of people, typically called immigrants, but perhaps better described as entrepreneurs, community builders, and survivors. In each episode, we'll be hearing all about their journeys to Canada's East Coast in their own words. Today, our guest is Ali Duwal. Ali, you are the Honorable Mr. Ali Duwal, actually, MLA for Halifax Armdale. You were born in Somalia and spent seven years in a refugee camp in Kenya. Ali came to Halifax in March 1997, served as a firefighter in Halifax for over 18 years, and then decided to run for the position of MLA for Halifax Armdale, and you became the first Muslim MLA to be sworn into the Nova Scotia Provincial Legislature in 2021 and honored as one of the most inspiring immigrants in Atlantic Canada in 2017. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I want to kind of start um, off by just asking you to tell everyone what it was like to spend that much time in a refugee camp. Uh, quite honest, it uh, can be uh, uh, overwhelming. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, when I ask this question, I get emotionless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I do this because uh, is it easy to, to, to say the word, but the meaning and the impact, it's unbearable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, to describe for your views what that meant, uh, if I give a glimpse, we all see in the TV yeah. the image of a refugee camp. And I don't think any human being wished to be in that position. But on top of that, Imagine having a children. Uh, imagine uh, having your loved one, mm. and and it's a state of uh, nobody. Right. And uh, it's not something that I wish any human being to be that stage mm. in that condition. Uh, so to answer your question, uh, it's horrible life. Uh, it's a difficult life to live. Uh, it's. Uh, it's uh, it's one of those things in life uh, uh, will teach you a good lesson in life. So uh, that will be my description, uh, uh, what the life of refugee look like and, and, and the meaning of, of, of the word. Yeah, and you had your wife with you and you had three children, um, yes. correct? Your three oldest children out of eight. So you yes. have eight children and two grandchildren. Um, and, and three of them were born in the refugee camp. I mean, what what could that have? What could be going through your mind when you know you're expecting, you know, your first child in that kind of environment? Uh, quite honest, it's a, it's it's a tough condition. It's mm. a, it's a very uh, I don't know sometimes even how to describe mm. because, uh, as I said earlier, uh, I got emotions uh, to look back, uh, but at the same time, I speak this openly because uh, sometimes I feel. Uh, 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 I feel uh, as a therapy that allows me to, to my emotions to, to, to come out. Mm. It's not a, a, a place that a child should burn. Uh, it's not a place that a child should be raised. Mm. But uh, it's, the, it's the condition of human being. Uh, and uh, there are certain things that in life we have no control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you're, when you moved here in 1997, how old were your three children? Uh, very young. Uh, I think my oldest was uh, around maybe four and a half. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were very young. And uh, quite honest now, he's, a, he's a, an adult. Uh, 
And uh, when we talk about this issue, is uh, I don't think he remember anything. No, yeah. And maybe sometimes he said, ah, maybe I remember that. Is that what it was? And uh, say no, but uh, they don't remember anything. It could probably be a good thing, right, for, for you as a parent to maybe shield them a little bit from that experience. In a way, mm-hmm. in a way, and I think this is a natural thing for parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and quite honest, uh, uh, I have uh, made a decision to speak my personal story, and this the reason that I do what I'm doing this morning uh, to share people when they become a refugee what they go through, how they become a refugee, and how people uh, should view refugees. And uh, oftentimes, uh, when I speak uh, my story publicly, my kids find out something that mm-hmm. they never heard about me, that they never, we never discussed it before right. as a family. And sometimes it uh, shocks them. And, uh, and, and they challenge me, why didn't you tell us this? You know, I never heard this before. And uh, I told them, I'm protecting you. Uh, And uh, I don't want you to bear what I have bear. I don't want you to know what I know. Mm. And it's your best interest because uh, it's a painful, it's not an easy uh, story. Uh, And uh, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, uh, they feel grateful, Uh, especially those who become an adult and 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 uh, it's very uh, very very and I'm and I know for the fact that I'm seeing this even my own life experience here in Canada. Uh, you know, you talk to a lot of people that who their parents came here, and uh, when you ask them, they'll tell you, "Yeah, my father came from Ireland, Scotland, mm-hmm. you know, Netherlands, uh, World War Two, or uh, you know, this uh, uh, disaster or that disaster," mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, uh, just my father just tell me story of my grandfather, and uh, they never told us anything. Yeah, they never shared us with anything, and I say, yeah, that's what I'm doing it, <laughs> just to protect my own children. Not only protecting them, but maybe they can share your story with you know their children, and their children can do so with their children, right? I mean, it, it's that inherent, you know, passing on those. I don't want to say stories, yes. but experiences, and then maybe allowing them to be grateful for you know what you've been through to make sure that their life was you know safer yes. and that they weren't you know subjected to that experience themselves. True. Yeah. True. So you came to Halifax in March of 1997, and obviously. Africa is a little different from Canada in terms of weather. So, I mean, what were you thinking? I mean, did you know anything about Atlantic Canada? Did you, did, were you prepared for March in Halifax? Uh, not, not really. Uh, I came here in March, and uh, I was given my uh, landed paper mm-hmm. uh, when I was in Kenya and uh, never heard it in my life before, mm-hmm. Halifax, Nova Scotia. I, I, I felt, uh, you know, uh, it's part of Canada, uh, and uh, made the decision to be ready no matter what. Uh, having said that, uh, I was uh, shocked uh, when I was landing in Halifax Airport. Imagine 1997, uh, what Halifax Airport looked like. Mm-hmm. A very small, little, tiny airport. Uh, middle of March, uh, and as the airplane was landing, there was a snow cover everywhere. Yeah. I couldn't even see the building. 
and it was just keep going down and down and down. And I had this imagination of you see the images of Toronto, mm-hmm. Vancouver, and Montreal, big buildings and sky rides and all this. Nothing is happening here. I just see snow and snow and yeah. and I say to myself, yeah, I'm going Siberia. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm ready. No matter what happens, uh, we landed and uh, uh, come out with a small little tiny building and. Uh, uh, I saw uh, uh, the, the luggage area. Uh, somebody was holding my name, and I recognized, yeah, I'm a place. Somebody's waiting for me. That's my name. And uh, the person greeted me, and uh, he was a taxi driver. Okay. We get the taxi, and uh, he drove uh, five minutes. And I had the expectation. Uh, uh, most of my uh, uh, understanding and my uh, knowing a, a, a city. Uh, most of the places that I knew, the city was middle of the, the airport was middle of the city. Yeah. And I was just five minutes, just snow trees and just where snow. Am I? <laughs> and I say, where am I going? And uh, I couldn't say any word of English, but okay. uh, I tapped the taxi driver who was sitting beside me and my kids and my wife in the backseat. So I said, wave my hand. You know, uh, uh, we all have, uh, you know, this... Uh, International language, mm-hmm. body language. So yep. I said, where's the city? He waved my hand. He looked at me, just say this. I said, okay. Another five minutes. And I said, no, now I'm getting agitated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure where this guy's taking yeah. me. I have no clue where I'm going it. And I repeat again. And uh, he responds, same. Then I decided, you know what? I come from Somalia. I come from Africa. You know, I seen life and death. Mm. I'm ready, whatever this guy's taking me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we come across Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. And I saw, you know, small little houses just beside the road. And I say, okay, there's a place here. Civilization. There's, yeah, there's <laughs> people here. The first time that I feel comfortable mm-hmm. was when I was cro- crossing uh, McDonald Bridge. Mm-hmm that I saw high-rise building in downtown. Yeah. That's when I said, here I am. I'm a place. I'm a city. I'm a safe now. Uh, so that was my uh, first experience in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, it, it, in a way, uh, you know, uh, it was a blessing mm. because this was my destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and I'm grateful uh, for this city. Uh, this is where I waste my children. Uh, this is where I make my life. Uh, this city is a part of my life mm. that shaped me as a human being. So uh, I do have that shocking experience, but also I do have that blessing and 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 joy being here. Mm-hmm. And earlier when we were talking about life in the refugee camp and you mentioned feeling like a nobody um did that change for you when you when you moved here to Halifax and and did it take a while to feel like you belonged here like you were somebody that you were part of the fabric of Halifax uh quite honest uh you know uh I said this before uh, I was a nobody Mm. and I'm somebody today Good. Oh, well, yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> what I mean by that is uh, I was a place. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a place that I didn't have any identity. Uh, I was a place 
uh, that I was not safe. Here I am. Uh, I'm a member of this community. Uh, I have a name that people recognize. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been valued. And I make contribution here as an individual. Uh, so I'm just divining uh, what I mean when I say that I was nobody mm. and I'm somebody today. Uh, it's not because of my title. Even if, I'm, if I was not the position I am as an MLA, even if I was not a, a, a firefighter, mm. uh, the profession that I spent uh, uh, almost 18 years, uh, I was a citizen that had contribution, that made contribution for this city and this province. Uh, that's what I mean. Uh, uh, I was nobody, mm. but I'm somebody today. So your decision to become a firefighter, can you tell us a little bit more about what led to that path? Because I had read online that you had never even stepped foot in a fire station before becoming a firefighter. Is that correct? It is. Uh, and quite honest, uh, you know, uh, I'm a believer. Uh, I, I practice uh, Islamic faith mm -hmm. uh, and I believe destiny. And there's a lot of things that happen in my life. Uh, that I believe it meant to be, uh, and become firefighter is one of them. Uh, I never seen uh, a fire station before. I never put my foot before, uh, but um, and I never imagined uh, being a firefighter. I did have my own destiny in life that uh, uh, we all have desires, and uh, and I was uh, that path. I was going to school. Uh, and uh, I was working dollar store, okay. and uh, there was a broadcast in CBC uh, mentioning there is uh, uh, an event happening at North End Library, Halifax Regional Fire and Emergency is seeking uh, minority okay. uh, communities to, to join the fire service, specifically uh, African Nova Scotians. And, uh, and never clicked my mind. Hmm. I left and then I met a friend of mine who's a native African Nova Scotian at his house and his wife was talking to him and mentioning exactly the same thing that I heard in the news, uh, that, I, uh, that I heard on the radio. And she said, uh, do you hear this what's happening? And uh, why didn't you apply and why you do, don't do it anyway? Uh, and uh, he said no, and he was not eager, and he was not, and she looked at me, and she said, Ali, why don't you do it? And I said, no, it's not me. You know, it's it's the way I understood was this was designated African Nova Scotia, and she said, okay. no, you, you could be. Mm -hmm. And I did apply, and uh, I wasn't sure, uh, you know, if my application would be just thrown in the uh, recycling bin, mm -hmm. uh, and I did believe that uh, uh, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And uh, but uh, I got a phone call. Uh, we received your email and uh, I mean uh, your application form, and uh, uh, we're uh, we're moving you to the second next stage. Uh, it was a long process. I think maybe six or seven or eight uh, different procedures oh, wow. that you have to go through. Uh, I think a lot of people apply, and they were looking for only ten people. 
wow. Yeah, it was very highly com uh, competitive. competitive. Yeah. And uh, uh, until I got the last phone call, and I think it was at 10 o'clock in the night, uh, I remember I was uh, a janitor at the time. I was mopping a floor. And I got uh, one of the human resources phone call said, yeah, you've been accepted. I remember I dropped the map. <laughs> Not intentionally. <laughs> Just got off my hat. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I never believed that would happen because mm. every stage that I did, I believe the next one is not going to happen. Mm. But I was just getting phone call after phone call. So uh, to uh, summarize, it was my destiny. Uh, I had the qualifications uh, and uh, I was uh, able to compete. Uh, that's how I became a firefighter. Did you have any experiences before with being a saver of lives? I mean, was it, what made you, besides, you know, all the signs were just pointing, like, do, I mean, it kept coming up, and whether you are at work or someone mentioning in a conversation, I mean, what what propelled you to want to give back in that way? Uh, in all honest, I say this openly. If I knew then what I know today, mm -hmm. I wouldn't get that job Okay. for one reason. I think I will be nervous. I will be excited. Uh, I will be scared. Mm -hmm. uh, but the good things, I didn't have a clue what I was getting. <laughs> and that actually allowed me to be relaxed and just do what they asked me to do it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, never imagined my life, uh, never thinking about my life. But over the years, I've learned this was the best things that have to happen in my life. Three reasons. One, uh, this job offered for me uh, everything that I could imagine to sustain my family. Mm -hmm. Secondly, uh, it's, a, it's a job uh, that creates an environment that you feel you're part of family. Mm -hmm. I have a colleagues that uh, I believe, uh, you know, uh, I can carry their life or they can carry my life. Mm -hmm. uh, and number three, I could not find a better way that I can give back this nation than willing to go that dark room. Oh, yeah. And to not to come back. Yeah. So in other words, uh, I felt... Uh, this was the best way, the gifts that I've received this nation and this country and this city. They could know a better way uh, to give this service. Totally. I mean, you're risking your life for other lives, whether they are your colleagues or, you know, total strangers. And it's beautiful. It, ha it happens. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it may not happen every day, mm -hmm. but it happens. Uh, it happens and... and, 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 and and I was ready. Mm. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, to answer your question, uh, this was uh, one of the best things that happened for me. And what was it like being in a fire hall with a bunch of burly local Halifax guys? I mean, were they very welcoming? Were they, you know, what, did you have any challenges at first or was it just smooth sailing? Uh, quite honest, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't shy away to say this. Uh, you know, uh, this province, this country, the city, we do have historic uh, uh, dark side mm -hmm. uh, in terms of uh, racial issues. Uh, I don't shy away uh, 
to acknowledge this. And Halifax Regional Fire is part of that history. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was not something unique for Halifax Fire. Uh, yes, there is historic. Yes, there is incident that took place, uh, even during my time. But I really believe, uh, and uh, I was so lucky enough to be part of uh, those people who have the will to make a change. Mm -hmm. uh, we come from a long way. Uh, I became uh, an active member, uh, become a members of uh, outreach committee uh, that led me to become a diversity and inclusion officer that responsible any racial issues or any uh, uh, community issues. And we made huge progress and we have changed a lot of things, whether it's the policies or procedures or, or, or how we reach the communities and how we deal with uh, communities. So uh, uh, I've blessed. I have a lot of colleagues that I was very close to that I was spending 24 hours. Yeah. And uh, you can hide one day 24 hours. You can hide the second day. But I guarantee you, the third day, the third shift, who you are, no matter what it is, mm -hmm. it's going to come in the kitchen table. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that. Yeah, That will come in the yeah. table. So I made a lot of uh, friends. Mm -hmm. I make a lot of brothers and sisters. I can actually say this. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, it has both sides, uh, you know, good and bad. But uh, I will I will enjoy and enjoy the good pieces. Uh, there is a family uh, uh, aspect in the fire hall. There's a friendship mm -hmm. uh, aspect in the fire hall. Uh, and actually also, uh, you know, uh, uh, this also uh, brotherhood become and sisterhood actually become natural for me. Mm -hmm. And I can say this to you, even when I go outside of Nova Scotia, around the world, I've seen time to time when I see fire hall just walking in. I've heard that. Yeah, just yeah. walking in, just knock the door yeah. to say, yeah, I'm a firefighter from Halifax and game over. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm not <laughs> different than anybody. And yeah. this fire hall is not different than when I was in Halifax. Yeah. Same story, same people. You know, so uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's a very interesting profession. Mm -hmm. I can say that. Yeah. And by the way, there's some people actually do this voluntarily. I, yes, I have a friend that is volunteers for. I think he's crazy. <laughs> but it's such a it, it like you know it is a beautiful profession in that there's a beauty to putting yourself in that position. You know, whether any first responder is putting themselves in that position, and mm -hmm. there is that beauty of what is happening in your mind, what you feel in your heart and putting the two together and knowing there's risks. Um, you know, but I think judging on your past experience, especially, you know, refugee camp and, and being in Somalia, I mean, you know about risk and you know what it takes and it's in your heart and in your head and you're blending the two together. Mm -hmm. And from being a firefighter, you went into politics. I mean, what, what put you in that path now? Uh, quite honest, I same thing. I've never imagined going politics. I never prepared for. Mm. I come from a, a, a community-oriented uh, advocacy mindset. Uh, I was active uh, in my community, even though sometimes uh, I don't know how to define that community because uh, you know I'm a Muslim, mm -hmm. I'm a black, I'm a refugee, I'm a newcomer. 
I'm a Somali, Haligonian, you know, so sometimes uh, which community I'm talking about. Uh, but all of them, it's one for me because all of them, I'm part of all of them. So uh, I'm active all of them. Uh, and uh, no matter what side that I am. So uh, because of, uh, you know, being active in the community and, and uh, have that advocacy, mm-hmm. what matter those communities, uh, I was able to learn how the structure works, uh, the three different level of government, and who does what. Mm-hmm. Secondly, uh, the community allowed me to grow as a human being. Uh, as a leader, uh, people allow me to be a position of roles, whether it's a chair or you know president or, or the director. Uh, even within the fire, you know, uh, uh, when I was a diversity and inclusion officer, the fire chief was my boss, mm-hmm. and there's so much ranks in between. Yeah, but I have that direct relationship with the fire chief and advise him the issues that are matter, diversity and inclusion. Uh, outside of, you know, uh, my religious space, uh, I was member of the board of directors of the Ummah Mosque. My children, their school, I was m- member of the board of, 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 of this school. Uh, I created a youth program that I run St. Andrew Community Center almost 12 years. And I was the founder, and I was the volunteer, and I was the cleaner. <laughs> All of them. Yeah. So uh, all those things shape me who I am. And because of my involvement of the community, uh, I was asked to run office. And I was hesitant. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably last four years. And uh, I was hesitant because I felt I was not ready. Uh, I was hesitant because I invest the fire service all my life. And I haven't reached my peak uh, of uh, retirement. I think two years ago, there was an incident that took place in London, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as you may aware, there was a four members of, of, of the Islamic faith who were having a normal uh, family uh, uh, walk. Somebody who have never seen these people no idea who they are, mm. made decision to end their life because of one reason. And that reason was two of them was having a piece of cloth in their head yeah. because they were wearing hijab. Because they didn't look like the rest of the people. Mm. And he wiped out. Three generations and he left a nine years old child yeah. with no parents, with no family lineage in Canada. Mm-hmm. And we uh, host a vigil at the mosque, and the, the premier of Nova Scotia at the time, Ian Brannigan, came and I work with him uh, in a different level. And uh, we chat uh, as a premier. What he's going to do Islamophobia, what he's going to do to protect the Muslim uh, community in Nova Scotia. And it was just, you know, side talk. And um, 
I was able to get his attention because of, of the incident. Mm -hmm. And uh, he asked me uh, uh, to sit with him and to come and uh, listen to community uh, and what needs to be done. And uh, within that discussion also, he said to me, and this is something that I've never forgotten in my life, uh, you know, if you want to have a change, Ali, uh, you have to be part of. Mm -hmm. That hit my heart. And uh, I couldn't sleep that night. And uh, I met in the morning, and I made my mind to put my name. Uh, I, I wasn't sure where I was running, yeah, who am I going to run, what I'm going to do it, yeah. <laughs> how to do it. And it meant to be. Yeah. The rest is history. Oh, my goodness. And it's, um, you know, congratulations on your success in the position. And it is like, I feel like your life is a quilt with all these little pieces that just come together to make this big, you know, beautiful quilt. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. But quite honest, uh, you know, it's... Uh, as I said earlier, uh, it meant to be. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I give the credit uh, for my community that allowed me uh, to be a position uh, that I've been I, that I can be trust in a leadership role. Uh, I am grateful uh, this city, this province, that allowed me uh, to be where I am today, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's my intention. Uh, as I said earlier, to give back. Uh, the space I am right now, it, it's not a comfortable space. I don't shy away to say this politics is, is, is a very, very uh, weird uh, uh, space. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm here for good intention uh, to serve uh, people of this province. Nova Scotians, irrespective of their uh, political perspective. I'm here to serve my constituents that elected me, uh, that trust me in, in this role. Uh, you know, do I believe I'm going to change the world? No. Uh, I know I'm a very uh, uh, complicated uh, system, uh, but I have the intention to do my best, uh, whatever that best is. And... Uh, we as a nation, you know, uh, before, uh, you know, uh, we had, uh, we opened this microphone. Uh, we talk about, uh, you know, uh, the World Cup. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, we talk about how this nation changed people's life. Uh, and I'm one of those one. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, we have a young refugee individual uh, who came here as a child. And nobody knew what this kid will offer this nation. Uh, and tomorrow, he will be the world stage representing Canadian soccer team in the biggest stage mm -hmm. for the World Cup. This nation, this is the testimony of this nation through the history. It doesn't matter the color of the people, what part of of the world they come from, how this nation changed people's life, the worst to the best you can imagine. Uh, and I'm part of that fabric. I'm part of that, uh, I know, 
and I'm proud to say I'm a Canadian. So, uh, you know, uh, sometimes uh, uh, I have to also acknowledge it's not, uh, it's not happened everybody. Uh, and we have a lot of work to do it. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is even within this city, you'll see people who have a PhD driving a taxi. Yeah. Uh, driving a taxi is not a bad thing. But what's not good is somebody who have a PhD and qualify a profession that he dedicated his life not being able to give him that opportunity. That's mm-hmm. what's wrong. It's not the driving, driving a taxi is mm-hmm. what's wrong. What's wrong is this person was, was not given his fair share of his qualification. Yeah. And that's what needs to be changed. And, you know, uh, in other words, uh, everything's not gloom here. Yeah. Everything is not what happened. We have a lot of people and we have a lot of work to do it to rectify a lot of barriers and a and, and lot of injustice that happens in this country and this province. Uh, and, and, and I wish uh, uh, people would recognize that. Uh, and, and I wish, uh, even though we come from a long way, uh, we'll continue this journey of acceptance and to, re- and, and to face the changes that are necessary. And representation is so important too, whether it's in politics or sports. I mean, if kids are growing up seeing people that look like them, you know, succeeding and playing sports and, and being on that world stage, whether it is politics or, or athletics, I think is is going to change those mindsets. Would, would you think that's important is to have that representation? I, I think it does. I think it does. And, and I think also it is uh, uh, some people, they may see this as a negative uh, but, I, but, I, but I challenged them. Uh, I challenged them. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, we all come this nation. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter where you come from, mm-hmm. except uh, the First Nations, except indigenous people. Uh, and the rest of us are here, you know, uh, being welcome, uh, irrespective of the time and the condition you came. And, and this is what makes us who we are as a nation. And, and, and this change will continue, uh, you know, uh, whether it's 100 years ago or 50 years to come today. Uh, but I really believe uh, it's a beauty of Canada. Uh, you know, as I was saying earlier, when you compare, you know, less than 50 years ago, people who represent Canadian national team mm-hmm. in, in, in the World Cup and the people who are staged today. Yeah. That shows you the reflection of Canada. That shows you how far we came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a good thing, actually, to celebrate and, 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 and to cherish. You know, I know for the fact that there's people who, who don't believe this, uh, this change and this diversity and this uh, new emerging ideas. But I will tell those people, life continue. And it's our best interest uh, to seek change. It's our best interest to, to, to look forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's our best interest to not stuck somewhere and to say, yeah, this is only what we know. Uh, and, and, and I would encourage those people that, to open your mind, uh, allow other people uh, to listen, uh, their perspective, uh, how they see life. And, and that's what makes us a nation. That's what makes us community. Uh, 
uh, when we listen to each other, when we respect each other. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that would be my message. And I imagine that um, outlook that you know, you, you'd like people to have would also just make an immigrant person you know, coming to Canada um, feel welcome too, right? To have that understanding. And I can understand myself, I guess, um, a mental health issue for a lot of immigrants coming here. And, you know, not only your experience, which is traumatic, um, but just anyone of just leaving home and, and coming here and, and what to expect. What are they going to encounter when they come here? And um, what are, what's your idea of, of encouraging a healthy welcoming experience to make sure someone's mental health is is protected that's a good question that is a good question and quite honest uh you know i i would say your listeners uh just be somebody else's shoes Mm -hmm. just be somebody else's condition then thinking about if you are that person uh just imagine your ancestors how they got here who helped them, how they succeed. Uh, just imagine uh, this child and his future. Whether you like it or not, eventually these people will become your co-workers, your neighbors, mm-hmm. your uh, children's friends. Your children's spouses. Your children's spouses. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to say is, whether you like it or not, it's happening, and it's happening organically. Mm-hmm. It's only you who are outside of that organic. It's only you who are questioning yourself, because basically you're questioning yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're not able to gather along your coworker, your neighbor, it's only you who will have the difficulties. So. Uh, Let's go back to humanity and just acknowledge each other. Let's have empathy each other. Let's have, you know, uh, the courage to acknowledge each other as a human being. So what I will say is, is, is uh, uh, be mindful of your actions and your words. Be grateful what you have. Mm-hmm. Because when you do that, you'll recognize those who doesn't have what you have. So that will be my message. When you look at your children and now your grandchildren and knowing what life could have been like for them if you had stayed in the refugee camp, Somalia, Kenya, what what do you see in their eyes? Uh, quite honest, you know, it's a very challenging question uh, because um, I cannot predict my children's future uh, but what I know is uh, they get the best of the best uh, whether uh, their parents their mother and father uh, the place and the and, and the community that they've been raised and also the opportunity that's available for them so uh, I, I always uh, you know uh, encourage my children uh, and wish the best but it's their destiny you know, uh, may Allah bless my father. I don't think he will ever have a clue. I've been sitting with you today mm. somewhere called Canada and doing broadcast. Yeah. 
I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know until last week. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, uh, you know, uh, nobody knows the future. Mm-hmm. But I think all those uh, elements are available for my children. And I wish the best for them. Uh, you know, I wish every refugee ch- child, uh, every pa- refugee parent to have this opportunity. And I'm only grateful uh, every day that I'm alive. I'm only grateful uh, every opportunity. So, uh, you know, my children are not different than any other children in, in this community. Um, some of them struggle. Some of them do well. And, and, but I think we as a human being will have our own destinies, destiny, and, and, and I hope they will do well. What advice would you give someone who is considering moving to Atlantic Canada? Uh, you know what? Uh, to be honest, uh, uh, we get... Uh, you know, uh, Canada, Canada's ocean playground. Mm-hmm. So if you are somebody enjoys the water, here you have it. Uh, we as a community, uh, you know, this is not my testimony. We're very laid back people, mm-hmm. you know, just just we chill, just enjoy life. So uh, if you like to be chilling and enjoy life, <laughs> you know, you got it here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, we are pretty easygoing, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, uh, uh, and I think you know, it's uh, even though you know, uh, there's uh, we've seen a lot of things in COVID, but I, I, uh, I never appreciate this province before COVID. I actually say this openly, and uh, if you look my social media, sometimes you see that testimony. And my testimony is I've never been Cape Breton before COVID. And and I've been here a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, that has blow up my mind. Yeah. This place was my backyard over 20 years and I never came. <laughs> it's like going to Scotland. It's it like was a different. It country. was unbelievable. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and, and, and not only Cape Breton, actually, I, I, it was one of the things that hit my heart. Mm. But I've been uh, a lot of places in Nova Scotia that have never been before COVID. Uh, not because I didn't know, uh, because I never had that exposure. You know, most of the time I was living away, going outside of the province to look joy and vacation and what have you. But I, I'm, I'm compelled now. I'm, I'm, I'm compelled here. Now you're chilling. Yes. You're laid back. Yes, I am. <laughs> thank you, Ali. And thank you to everyone joining us today for this episode of Our Guest Is. If you don't want to miss the next episode, make sure you subscribe. You can find us on myeastcoastexperience.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and YouTube. Plus, don't forget you can follow my East Coast experience on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thanks again, and hope you join us for our next episode.